Today, I'm delighted uh, to welcome a speaker uh, who has been working as a consultant for almost 50 years. Uh, and for his great achievements and accomplishments in 2017, he was recognized by ICMCI, International Council of Management Consulting Institutes, as academic fellow. And the next year, in 2018, he also became a fellow of IMC USA, and this is the consulting organization of the United States. He is also chair of the Consultants Peer Group, which coaches consultants beyond startup to success and on to significance. Our guest is also, of course, an active member of IMC USA, as I already mentioned, uh, where he focuses on ethics education. And ethics in uh, consulting will be our topic today. I would like to welcome David Norman, who is joining us from... Hi, David. Hey, Victoria. <laughs> Please tell us where you are joining us from. I am joining you from the North Carolina mountains up in the northwest corner near Virginia and Tennessee. Uh, my wife and I have uh, semi-retired up here, have a lavender farm up in the mountains where I, I still consult from, but it's it's a good place to be. That's that's great. I'm actually, uh, well, I just want to say, well, thank you, Danny, for your comment. He says, welcome to all consultants. Johan saying, uh, indeed, this time is most uh, excellent to meet persons from the largest number of time zones. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Johan. That's uh, that's what I was talking about that we chose this time so that ev everybody, hopefully most people have a, a reasonable time to, to join us so it's not in the middle of the night. And I actually want to say that I'm uh, quite happy that today David and I are in the same uh, time zone. It, that it, doesn't happen, it doesn't happen often because uh, very often our speakers are from the other side of the globe. But, but today it's one of those you know, rare occasions where we are in the same Eastern, Eastern time zone. Uh, the business uh, EEMK business consulting says hi to David. Thank you, thank you again for everybody who are listening in. Please participate, ask your questions, put your comments. We'll be happy to handle them to answer your questions. So, yeah, David, um, before we dive in today's topic of ethics and consulting, mm -hmm. which is a serious topic. Uh, and I know that you prepared a lot of information and very uh, important material about this. I just wanted to ask you to perhaps share with us a little bit more of how you you started uh, being a consultant a long time ago, and uh, maybe a little bit more about your past because I I shared a few details about you, but of course this is just. Uh, couple of things I did in my very brief introduction, and there is a lot more to your consulting work and your experience. Uh, thank you, Victoria. It's sort of scary at one level where even in your introduction, you've used two things that can frighten me. One, you said 50 years, and then you said long time. Now, there, there is an advantage for persevering long enough, but I have five decades in consulting. So I, I, five decades doesn't sound quite as daunting as 50 years. Uh, with, that, with that said, I got into consulting quite accidentally. I was, uh, after getting an MBA, I was working at one of the nation's largest banks and they discovered I wasn't going to be a banker about one day before I discovered I wasn't going to be a banker. Uh, fired. So doing a career search for myself at that time victoria there was a thing called yellow pages this was before monster and before indeed and all the online services so literally i started going through the yellow pages oh a's i don't think anything in the a's was attractive to me so i went to the b's and i said <laughs> well bakers bakers wake up at 5 a.m i don't want to start baking at 5 a.m c consultants comma management I can do that. So I tore literally tore out the yellow pages. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina at the time, tore out the yellow pages and went shopping for a job with my resume. Yes. 
Yes, all before electronic. I stumbled into, literally stumbled into a small boutique firm who ended up hiring me. The, the significance of that is the fellow who hired me, Nathaniel Hill, was one of the founders of what ultimately became and merged with another one that became part IMC USA. And he was a real big believer in professionalisms and ethics. So quite by accident, I stumbled into his firm. Seven years under his tutelage, uh, went to work for him as internal consultant, five years in a large, very large organization, uh, internal consulting. Um, 10 more years in public accounting, started two consulting practices within the uh, public accounting uh, arena, uh, formed my own company in 1995, where I became the ubiquitous solopreneur, or as in the UK, you say, uh, a singleton. <laughs> uh, built, when I built my business plan, it was simply thou shalt not hire any consultants. And I've, so far, I've kept true to that. I've, I've practiced again since 95. I've been an executive coach and consultant for 15 years, uh, big believer in ethics, which you already mentioned. I'm chair of the IMC USA Foundation, which is about ethics education, been a CMC for 35 years, and all that only goes to prove you can survive that long in consulting. <laughs> this is this is quite impressive. Uh, yeah, with uh, I when I got your biography or you know resume first there's just so much that of course we couldn't uh, even put everything in the announcement so it's great that you can share with the, <laughs> with us a little bit more of uh, the things that you've done uh, what i wanted to, to ask you to do because uh well not only consultants are joining our broadcast and even if some of the mm -hmm. consultants uh, are joining but they might be still uh, at the beginning of their career sure. uh, can you please uh, explain uh, to to everyone uh, what those uh, designations that you carry actually you know stand for I know that you're a CMC at certified management concern you're uh, academic fellow and then also you have a designation from IMC USA if you can just explain the significance of those and so that our younger consultants can understand where they can still, you know, grow even, even after they become CMCs. No, thank you. I, the, the main significance is the CMC, Certified Management Consultant. Uh, again, I've had that since 1980, I earned it in 1988. But the, uh, one of the keys about the Certified Management Consultant is every three years, you have to prove, you have to update it and prove that you're still maintaining currency. So um, there are some approximately 8,000 CMCs in the world. This is the highest level of consulting. The key for me, the CMC, tells my prospects and my clients, shows my clients and prospects that my work has been validated by an outside independent source. Okay, It's not just some puffery that I put on a website. They look at past, they look at past engagements. They look at uh, uh, referral sources. They look at uh, references, excuse me. Uh, they look at what you did and do you know those consulting competencies? Now, I'll talk about those in a few minutes, Victoria, but uh, it's a proof that you have, as you had mentioned, even Gabrielle had his CMC. It's the highest level of consulting. Now, those two designations that you see on the screen are also a little, little higher of those. The first one is the fellow where in the U.S. I'm one of 61 uh, consultants who have ever been awarded the fellow. Um, uh, again, recognition of where I've been. Uh, a couple of years earlier, a year earlier, the ICMCI, the International Management Consulting Institute, awarded me the academic fellow. What didn't show on the uh, uh, discussion earlier is I've spent 25 years as adjunct faculty at a business school teaching a variety of courses and actually working on some, some consulting courses. So um, they, they are nice um, recognitions as they were. The key one for me though, is the CMC. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. 
All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for the explanation. I just wanted to say that we also got some previous comment uh, from Andre. He was congratulating me specifically for having you here. <laughs> I just wanted to, to say hi uh, to Andre and thank him for also for joining us today. And uh, as we already announced, as you've seen, uh, we will be talking, well, David will be talking today about ethics in consulting which uh, this is how when I, I first talked to David uh, and we, we've known each other from from the past yeah. we just haven't been in touch for a while and then uh, you reached out and I, I was kind of going through your profile and I saw all those posts about ethics uh, you know reputation and then I thought wow wouldn't that be a great topic for us to to bring on uh, in the show. So this is how it all came about. And I know that David is very passionate about it. So I would like you, uh, well, we have um, another. Constant, Constantinos. Uh, <laughs> Constantinos uh, joining us uh, from Athens, from Greece. Well, that's uh, another country that we can add to our list of followers. Uh, thank you so much uh, uh, for joining us today. Welcome. And you're very welcome. You're thanking me for hosting. <laughs> Always my pleasure. So uh, we will might be still having people tuning in as we go on. And uh, we will just be posting the comments or the, the greetings or the questions on the screen. And just like we, we, we discussed, we can start with your uh, presentation about ethics and consulting or rather your uh, reputation. And then if the questions come in, we'll post them and you can uh, answer them uh, Please. at some point. So, so let me just pick right up from there, if I might, Victoria. Here, here's the deal. If you spend 50 years in consulting, you will hear the bad jokes about consultants. There is no question. It started back for me nearly 50 years ago as a newbie into consulting. We all heard the joke of when the client asks you what time it is, you take their watch and read them back the time and then keep the watch. Now, that was so popular as it were in the 70s as a bad joke uh, on consulting that, uh, what's his name, Clint, Martin Clinton wrote a book called House of Lies that ultimately ended up to be in a well, pretty insipid TV show, but it was about consultants. So other jokes at that time were, anyone with a briefcase from 50, 50 miles away from home is a consultant. The one I didn't like was the one that went that uh, consultant someone who knows 50 ways to make love and doesn't have a lover. So, you know, it, they, we were always picked on as a career. And as such, over time, there became this reputational damage. Now, I am not here, Victoria, and to the listeners, to criticize management consulting as a profession. I love it. I have hung in there for 50 years nor am I here to criticize other consultants or consultancies, because actually that would be in direct opposition to one of our items on our code of ethics. So I am very supportive of consulting. But what I'm reading and hearing from public sources is giving me some distress. Okay. I don't like the negative press that's denigrating our profession right now. Now, in today's environment, one may argue whether the press itself is biased. All you got to do, as an example, is look at the Fox News settlement. Okay. But that's not my issue here as to whether the press is biased or not. The general public reads, listens to, hears these examples and draw their own conclusions. And most of the time, it becomes a pejorative context about consulting. That's the piece I don't like because it's affecting my reputation and the reputation, by the way, of everybody else on this call. Okay, it's we, we're, they're putting a bad brush, painting a bad brush onto the field. There are large scale um, examples of ethics have gone awry outside of consulting. Recently, we know of the Volkswagen uh, diesel emissions scandal. That cost Volkswagen $18 billion. Or in the US, Wells Fargo is one of their banks. Last year alone, they paid $3.8 billion, $3.7, I apologize, billion dollars to settle some of their uh, uh, 
problems that have created massive uh, problems with their reputation. Those are the large scale public, not about consulting, but just lapses in ethics and the result. Any, any lapse in result causes a loss of brand trust, decreases customer loyalty, and has a negative impact on profits and revenue. Now let's take it to our world, our profession a minute. Anya, um, there are a number of examples that have come up. A consulting firm agrees to a $1.75 million settlement in a water treatment plant. A global consulting firm pays nearly $600 million in settlement over its work with opiate companies. Consulting firm agrees to almost a $5 million settlement to resolve a class action data suit. Three consulting firms are implicated in uh, Angola corruption scandal. A global consulting firm is now implicated or subject to a criminal probe in France for allegedly violating French campaign laws. The New Republic magazine has an article that alleges a major consulting firm's activities in the hospital world created a systemic uh, elimination of humane health care. The newest book out and that's got me got me really riled up was uh, uh, Mazzuto and Collington's book, The Big Con, How Consulting Industry Weakens Our Industry. They argue that the lack of transparency around a consulting firm's work left potential huge left potential for huge conflicts of interest. And after all that, the one that really gets into my skin and gets under it very deeply was in November. Uh, the Economist had an article that started with this quote: "If a list were made of the most reviled species in the professional world, only investment bankers would stand between management consultants and the top spot." Let me read that again. If a list were made of the most reviled species in the professional world, only investment bankers would stand between consultants and the top spot. Now, the article went on to say, skeptics portray these corporate consigliere as snake oil salesmen, bamboozling chief executives and politicians with management gibberish and glossy chart while gorging on fat fees. Those are the first two sentences in a, an economist article. I'm not here, again, to take on those firms. But what's the commonality here? Okay. What's the commonality? Has greed overtaken us? Or is it just bad behaviors? Or what? So what I'd like to share a little few moments on is that uh, how, what are the tools that can be used to fix this situation? Because the, those press articles damage my reputation because they besmirch consulting. And that makes me angry. I can do good work, but the word consulting gets slammed because of some other actors, bad, bad playing. That's all. But there's a way to fix it. Okay. If I may then, let me step back a minute because as the world changes, so does management consulting. In fact, in a recognition of that, ICMCI, the International Council of Management Consulting Institutes, last year changed the definition of what a management consultant is. And it has three parts. A management consultant shall be defined as one, one who helps organizations solve issues, create value, maximize growth and improve performance. Two, through the application of their knowledge techniques and assets. Three, to provide objective advice, expertise, and specialist skills, which the organization may be lacking. Now, what is notable in that definition is they didn't pick up the traditional view of management consulting, strategy, policy, management, and the like. They opened it up. They made the definition more inclusive to those who help organizations. And they go on to say that the definition shall include consultants who work as a solopreneur, such as myself, 
as a partner or an employee in a practice or a firm, and those who work as internal consultants to an organization or government body whose primary purpose is not management consulting. Okay, well, I know that one of the callers, uh, one of our viewers today has come out of that latter one. He was an internal consultant to a large organization and now going out on his own. So all this very inclusive definition helps us define what we're gonna be and how I'm asking everybody who fits that definition to consider four things, if I may. Okay, four things in, thank you. Four things in particular, learn, look at, learn the consulting competencies. Later on, we'll show you a link, but that's ICMCI and now IMCUSA, both adhere to the same set of consulting competencies. Get a code of ethics, a code of professional conduct and learn be trained in ISO 2700. All four of those, now I'll put this, come back to the self-evaluation later in my comments, but once you get those four under your belt, as it were, Victoria, what you know is how to consult, not what you consult in. You may consult in marketing, IT, strategy, turnaround, operations, you name international business, uh, shipping. It doesn't matter to me what you consult in. What differentiates, differentiates me and the others is how we consult. Now, as I'm gonna go through those first four, I'm gonna share a particular, just a few points out of each where had these other examples of consulting firms adhered to these four, what happened likely wouldn't have happened. I just want to say, David, yeah, that that Please. actually impressed me a lot when I was uh, reading some of your uh, articles that you wrote on ethics and reputation and reputational damage and the fixes, and also listened to your podcast where you talked about the same topic is that you focus on you make this distinction about that most important is how you consult and not what you consult on because I, I, the standards, the principles are the same regardless of the field. Okay. And, and thank you, Victoria. I mean, think for a minute. When we go to a, we being all of us, go to a networking event, we have all been taught to give your one minute elevator speech. Yeah. And actually, okay. uh, Dwight uh, comments on this as well. He says, well said, David, this is the difference between someone who sells their expertise to someone who consults. Yeah, so thank you. you. Okay. So th thank you, Dwight, and thank you, Victoria. Think for a moment, though, that elevator speech you give as a networking or even in front of a prospect. First of all, what's the first word in an elevator speech? I. Mm -hmm. Okay. And by the way, at that point, as soon as you start with I, in my sense, listening stops. Mm -hmm. And then what you do for the next 59 seconds is you tell that prospect what you do. And it's about what you do, that technocracy, the skills that you have, the experience of you had. And by the way, folks, to be a little pejorative about it, they don't care. Mm -hmm. They Share instead how you consult. And I'll tell you a little bit about that later on if we want, if we have time, okay? But it's not about what you consult in, it's how you consult. Learn those four things that I described. Now, if I could start tying it back to the reputational damage a minute, if you look at the consulting competencies, there are 51 items in those four areas about business insight, practice capabilities, consultative behavior, and ethics and professional contact. There are 51 subsections. But all I have to do is verbally call out a few of them. And you, as a listener, consider whether or not if somebody else, if some other organization had been behaving according to these competencies, would these egregious lapses in ethics happen? For example, up there in uh, 
in, in those four subheadings, there is one that's talk about adding value by ethical behavior, which creates a uh, delivery system, a win for people, the planet, and profit. Consulting uh, underneath that consultative behavior, there's one that says on professional consulting behavior, you shall demonstrate honesty, respect, integrity, independence, objectivity, and accountability. Okay. You show further on, you show respect that earns respect. You, excuse me, you show behavior that earns respect of professional colleagues and clients. Okay. You act in a truthful manner. You show integrity, just flipping through some of them. Okay. In fact, out of those 51, 12 of them, I'm not going to go through them here, but 12 of them go directly to the ethics lapses that we had. My sense is, had somebody understood, these are international competencies, folks. Had someone understand that, they may have called the question, why are we doing this in this way? Okay. So the, 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 code, of, uh, the code of ethics is the second one that I'm asking. So consulting competencies first, the code of ethics. IMC USA has had a code of ethics of 15 points, 15 points for a long period of time, but they have three main sections. Um, is a commitment to clients, commitment to fiscal integrity, and coincidentally, a commitment to the public and the profession. And out of those 15 that are embedded in those three that you have on the screen, out of those 15, here three in particular, ask yourself again as you hear these, had somebody adhered to this code of ethics, that they are, thank you, Anya, had they adhered to this code of ethics, would we have had these lapses? I will serve my clients with independence and objectivity. I will avoid conflicts of interest or the appearance of such. I will respond, I will represent the profession with integrity and professionalism in my relations with clients, colleagues, and the general public. So just using those three that are core to IMC's code of ethics, my, my, my guess is some of these ethics lapses that we hear about causing reputational damage may not have happened. Okay, go, go to the third one, for example, the code of conduct, code of professional conduct. Now, the one I just showed you was ethics. The code of professional conduct is how you behave as a management consultant. The purpose of the code that uh, IMC, Code of Professional Conduct, IMC has, and now IMC, uh, IMC USA has, is to instill confidence in the profession and help you become more successful. They, it's established a profession-wide understanding of appropriate behavior as a consultant. Here are the five main sections of it. How do you serve the best interest of clients? How do you serve the best interest of society? Serve the best interest of the organization within which you work? How do you serve the best interest of those persons that you work with? And how do you serve the interest of the consultancy profession? And throughout it, these five main sections are similar uh, items that you've heard before. I will act independently, Anya. I will act independently and objectively. I will consider the, uh, I, never mind, I dropped that slide, I apologize. Um, consider the, I will consider possibility of conflict of interest. I will follow a process which conforms to ISO 2700, and I'll address that in a minute because that's my fourth leg. I will demonstrate personal qualities, honesty, objectivity, integrity. I will respect social and corporate responsibility concerns. Okay. I have respect for the profession. I promote the image and the standing of the profession. Again, those are just some of the items, Victoria, that are within that code of professional conduct. 
Okay. Once again, it is my belief that had this these people adhered to this, like the consulting competencies, like the code of ethics, and now the code of professional conduct, I believe that we would not have had many of these egregious examples of, of breaches that we've had. Uh, the fourth element is new, by the way, and that's the ISO 7, uh, 2700. This is very new. In fact, uh, it is the first international standard for professional services, and indeed is specifically for management consultants. Its purpose, and it's a series of checklists, its purpose is to improve transparency and, and an understanding. It's to have creative, constructive, open uh, conversations with prospects and clients about how the service is intended to work, ensuring success and satisfaction. It's a common framework for conversation and communication. So what I'm suggesting is we have accessible to us four items that are relatively easy to understand, but they form the very foundation of how you consult. And you heard the words objectivity, integrity, honesty, transparency, all throughout it. And I, again, my firm belief, my belief as an individual practitioner is, had they, the ubiquitous they, had they adhered to it, had knowledge of it, we likely would have had some of these uh, uh, examples that hurt the profession of management consulting. That's all. And that's the piece that frustrates me because these have been out, these four elements other than the ISO 2700 have been out there for years. David, as I'm listening to all this, this is a great framework definitely to uh, that can be used to guide consultants in their work so that they, their reputation is not in danger. And uh, But I'm just wondering, is it that simple, actually? Because I'm sure that uh, every particular case, every piece of uh, work or every project might have certain nuances, right? So... Is it that simple? Well, I'm going to give you a really conclusive answer, Victoria. Yes and no. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is that simple. No, it's not that simple. So, but let's look at it for a minute. Uh, in a parallel sense, consider a, a medical prescription. When you are offered by a doctor a prescription, a prescription has two parts. It has what the medicine is and how to take it, okay? For it to be effective, for it to have the efficacy it needs, you have to not only have the right medicine in the right dose, but also how to take it daily, evening, or whatever. So the first piece of the medicine, as I see, are those four pieces that we just talked about that are easy to understand, okay? That's the medicine. The harder part is how to take it. Okay, how to take the medicine. So how to administer it. But because now we're talking about humans, human behavior. And unfortunately, to a large degree, there's a five letter word that gets in the way. It's called greed. Okay, greed is just one example, and it can overpower that need to do something that is right. The medicine, how to take it now is we need strong, foresightful leadership. We need leaders who, leaders of consultancies, large and small, need to recognize that the individual and collective behavior of consultants can reverse this uh, reputational damage. But taking it requires working and using the medicine. It is the right thing to do. Now is the right time to do it. It's just right, okay? Administration of the medicine means adopting and adhering to, publicizing, correcting the self-evaluation that I had up on another slide, uh, uh, periodic examinations, ensure that we're doing these things. None of these are easy because we are dealing with Victoria, 
human behavior. Okay? So the prescription is there. Can we do it? All right. We have uh, uh, a, a question <laughs> from yeah. Johan. Uh, and uh, are you, uh, David, are, are you kind of finished with uh, a little bit so we can we can take uh, this question Sorry. now or would you prefer to, to continue? Give me, two, and, min yeah, let's Give me just, two, uh, two minutes and I'll go back to Johan's comment because I read right. it up there, okay? So yes, two yes. minutes just to, as we have this prescription, the problem we're having with it, it is driven by a deeper why in, in us as humans. First and foremost, as I said, it's not only the right thing to do, but it's simply the right thing. At our core, at our center, it is the right thing to do. Second, and for me, it serves market differentiation. You are separating yourself as a consultant from everybody else. So it seems that there's a priority to have a call to action now and i see five simple steps to get it done is you establish in your firm or even if yourself if you're a solopreneur ethical standards look at imc usa's code of ethics two you ensure compliance and that is the code of professional conduct three and the key to it is you increase the accountability within the firm or within yourself. Build the culture you want or get the culture you deserve. Okay. Encourage transparency. I know it's a buzzword today, but you've got to be able to allow people to report unethical behavior without retribution. You have to make the invisible visible. And then finally, improve overall the corporate culture because a strong corporate moral compass is more likely to have those employees engaged and motivated. So I'll take those questions and uh, then wrap up later. Johan, for example, referenced um, the 500, nearly $600 million settlement. Can you put that one back up? Yep. Okay. Nearly $600 million settlement um, for their advising of the firm. And please note what Johan wrote there. The consulting firm will not admit wrongdoing according to its settlement, but will agree to court ordered restrictions on its work. Okay. So folks, there ha I, 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 I'm not here to pick on McKinsey. I'm here to pick on anybody who is not vulnerable enough to say, we messed up. The only way you can fix something is be open and honest enough with yourself. Now, 600 million may not get your attention. It would get mine. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty severe spanking. Okay. And it was... There are some organizations now. I saw uh, uh, Dwight's name come up from the from Canada, our northern neighbor, and there's some criticisms up there about firms that are on both sides of a deal uh, in terms of consulting to an industry, members of an industry, while consulting to the industry regulator. Now that to me sounds like really square in the middle of a conflict of interest. Okay, but that requires leadership to prevent those situations from happening. All right, David, I see we get more questions coming up. So uh, I just wanted to say that you have that last slide with the resources, with the links to ICMCI website, which I'm sure a lot of people already know about. But uh, I will ask Anya, who is behind the scenes helping us uh, uh, technically, just put some of the links, including your company's uh, website and your email in the comments. This way they will stay there for anybody who will want to check it out later. Is that Thank okay? You. So yeah, Anya, Anya will do that and we can then um, 
just uh, continue with the questions because I see quite a few of them coming up. And uh, yeah, so uh, Anya, maybe you can start posting the questions. By the way, yeah, yeah, thank you, David. This was uh, was and is very very interesting. Uh, I know we don't have uh, all the time in the world to go into details, and as there are particular cases and situations, but just the the summary that you presented is is, is very valuable. And uh, let's go through the questions then. So, Konstantinos. Um, yes. Uh, no question. Uh, AI will affect uh, ethics and consulting already is. Uh, our colleague Dwight, again from Canada, has written a good blog post on it. But here's my sense is, and uh, as a, just an example, right now there's an add-in to the Microsoft products you can get uh, that's tied to chat GPT. Uh, one of them is called Ghostwriter Consultant. And in Word, you can, in that add-in, you can type what type of report you want, what's the topic of it, who it's going to, how you want to write it, and who you want to influence and all that. And you push a button and then 20 seconds later, there's a report. Now that's disturbing at a lot of levels, particularly when it, here we are in a gig economy and an economy that is uncertain and we're going to have I suspect more people in as, as consulting firms have layoffs. And last one, another one was announced last week. We're going to have new folks coming into the consulting uh, profession. So they go to their desk, they push a button, and there's a report. That's scary. Okay. Uh, so, Constantinos, your question is very appropriate. I wish I had an answer for you, except to answer specifically yes, AI will influence consulting. And for me, it becomes a big ethical issue. Am I letting AI write a report for me? So I, I, it, it's something that we're going to have to be wrestling with because it, it is here. And it is something that will affect us. Okay. Thank you. Well, uh, someone from, oh, there is another question okay. from Rich. Uh. Uh, referring to a course on ethics when using uh, artificial intelligence. Thank you okay. uh, for this information, Rich. Do we have more? I we have a few more questions. Actually, I see there is okay. This is a question from Anya, who is, by the way, uh, helping with this broadcast. She is uh, behind the scenes. And uh, Anya uh, is in, in the Netherlands. And she is a student of sustainability. And so she's asking uh, whether it, it is ethical for consultants okay. to work for companies that are damaging the environment, such as uh, fossil fuel companies. Okay. David. So, so let, me, let me take a hack at that. And again, sort of like the answer I had earlier for uh, uh, Victoria, the answer may be yes or no. The, the main thing in there that's significant for me as a certified management consultant is that ICMCI, uh, just uh, last year or so, changed the, the consulting competencies that we follow. And in the consulting competencies, they added a social responsibility piece to it that wasn't there heretofore, uh, in particular uh, to support the UN sustainability goals and ESG. Okay, so already within the competencies I stand for, there is a uh, social, um, we'll call it a sustainability piece that I am supposed to be aware of. It does not tell me, the competencies do not tell me that I can't serve in an organization that is hurting the environment. It's telling me that asking me to consider UN sustainability goals and uh, uh, ESG in what I do. Now, the other answer there, Anya, in particular for me is if you have a, as a consultant, if you have a strong belief, then my answer was don't go work in that company. So I have to give you an equivocal answer 
um, the consulting competencies and all the frameworks we use do not say you can't, but it does say, please consider sustainability goals. Now, again, it depends at this point where your own values are and what you stand for, if that helps answer that question. And it's not a conclusive answer. I think there is another comment uh, from Juan. Uh, actually, it's kind of you know relevant. So, Anya, maybe just yeah. So okay. maybe he he is asking you to to uh, expand on uh, the reference to right thing to do, and that's what you've already been uh, okay. basically talking about. Thank well, you me... for for your question, Juan. Yeah, Juan, uh, I appreciate it. Let me go uh, off script a moment, if I will. And uh, around the world, we obviously have, fortunately, obviously have many religions. Um, without going there deeply, part of the fundamental part of many or most religions is to do the right thing. In, in Christian, which I am, uh, was do unto others as you would have do unto you, or do for the least of these or so forth. So there is uh, worldwide, while there is not one concept of what the right thing is, there is a view of what the right thing is as a value. Now, my, pref my thing is uh, tying it back to ethics and what we're talking about here, those four things I presented from the competencies to code of ethics, code of conduct, and 2700 helps you derive your practice, helps you create your practice around the right thing. And listen to the words we used earlier, integrity, honesty, objectivity, independence, and those things. So I think, Juan, the right thing to do is do these competencies, okay? It is the right time to do it, particularly in this environment we have, and it is simply the right thing because of the way these are positioned. You, we all have values as humans. And once we recognize what our values are, if we're starting to do something that's counter to our own values, then it's likely not the right thing. That's just my belief. Does that help? <laughs> Thank you, David. That's, that's definitely very insightful answer. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for uh, sharing all this information. Uh, here is another question from Anya uh, regarding uh, artificial intelligence. If you can please elaborate on uh, why you find uh, the prospect of AI in uh, consulting scary. What exactly are the ethical concerns there? I, I can give you a specific example, Anya. Um, and part of it goes back to my 50 years worth of experience. And it was always about footnoting or giving credit to somebody else for their work. Okay. We all were very sensitive to that. Um, but one of the problems I have with AI and, and it is showing up in academia now, or reports are getting written through AI and submitted by a student. And credit is not given credit. Uh, another yesterday, uh, earlier, last week, excuse me, I got some work from a peer. I was asking the peer to do some things. And at the bottom of it, it said footnote, uh, credit to chat, chat, GPT, chat, GPT, or whatever. So my problem, the scary part is, um, that original work, work can be appear made to be appear original when it is not. That's all. Now, in all fairness, I use, I use it. I use it to write an outline or capture some drafts for a blog, but then I severely rewrite it. I find it in the um, design in the creativity phase, very helpful, but I will not accept that work as final. And that's the part it's, it would be too easy for me to push a button and 30 seconds later have a blog and post it. That's not my blog, that's AI's post. That's the scary piece because a fair number of people won't know the difference. Does that make sense? 
that that makes sense to me definitely and uh yeah that's why i'm also debating in my uh head often <laughs> how much of that yeah uh, we can actually use although it might be helpful at some points but okay. then um it is a little bit scary that's true Okay. If I may then, in the remaining time, come back to the topic at hand of consult of ethics in consulting. I would like to obviously see it change. I've given the idea, here are the four tools. You saw the resources. Go look at them if you're interested. My sense is the bottleneck is always at the top of the bottle. Leadership needs to start being a change agent to set a new standard for ethical practices in consulting. Look at and adopt these things I talked about today. Okay. We have a worldwide audience. Most of you are familiar. Uh, most of you are in countries that are served by uh, um, ICMCI. Go look at it. Okay. If you're in the US, go look at IMC USA. It is the place to go. Okay. It's important. And the key for me being selfish is having all these tools under my belt, how I consult is different than the estimated 1 million consultants in the US today. They are consulting on what they do. I differentiate myself on how I do it. We need to reclaim the high ground, Victoria. Okay. Thank you so much. I completely agree. And I was just showing this comment from a LinkedIn user uh, who really likes your insights and uh, likes your and would like to quote you. Increase Please. transparency, make the invisible visible by David Norman. This is an excellent, excellent quote. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, um, I would like to remind those who are watching us now that you can still post your questions or comments in the comment section. And let us check. Anya, uh, can you see if there is anything else coming up? If please, yeah. Uh, that's another uh, comment uh, from the same LinkedIn user. Yes. Regarding uh, artificial... Um, intelligence artificial intelligence unfortunately not everything that is presented by artificial intelligence may be correct or true thank you okay. thank victoria you thank you well thank you for giving me a forum um obviously i'm proud of the profession i uh, accidentally selected 50 years ago <laughs> from the <laughs> yellow pages, right? <laughs> from the yellow, just, absolutely. From the yellow just pages. By going so. down the alphabet. <laughs> and it was. I got mid alphabet before I found the firm. So uh, I'm pleased to have been here. I'm honored that you had asked. I really like what you and Gabriel Oslam uh, Foundation are doing uh, on behalf of consulting worldwide. So cheers to everybody out there. Thank you so 